Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. It's Monday. July 18th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. President Biden wrapped up his first presidential trip to the Middle East over the weekend with few concrete deliverables on increased oil production from Saudi Arabia and no progress on an Israeli and Palestinian resolution. Ginger Gibson, deputy Washington digital editor at NBC News, joins us for this, Biden's meeting with the Saudi crown prince, Another round of bad poll numbers, and Senator Joe Manchin refusing to support the president's agenda. Next, some restaurants are facing an extortion racket, and it's all playing out on Google. Emails are being sent to dozens of restaurants threatening bad, one-star reviews, unless owners pay up with a $75 Google Play gift card. These reviews are critical in attracting business, and some restaurants are complaining of inaction on the part of Google in policing these negative comments. Christina Morales, food reporter at the New York Times, joins us for how restaurants are responding. Finally, the battle for the future of American passenger rail is currently being played out. Amtrak is trying to expand with 39 new routes to reach dozens more cities and towns. Amtrak contracts with private rail owners because it doesn't own its own. But the fight to keep freight and the supply chain moving is taking precedent. Luz Lasso, reporter at the Washington Post, joins us for what to know in a decision that could come by the end of summer. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Even if the ground is not ripe at this moment to restart negotiations, the United States and my administration will not give up on trying to bring the Palestinians and Israelis and both sides closer together. Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, deputy Washington digital editor at NBC News. Thanks for joining us, Ginger. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, let's talk about President Biden's trip to the Middle East. He wrapped it up over the weekend. Unfortunately, it seems like there was very few immediate benefits that came from the trip. You know, the big one that uh, everybody was hoping that President Biden could nail down was something on oil production from Saudi Arabia. There was no concrete commitments for them to increase oil production. That's obviously something that could have helped uh, incredibly with inflation back here at home. And then uh, secondly, you know, no real progress on any type of resolution between Israelis and Palestinians. I mean, that's going to be a tall order just to begin with. But uh, as I mentioned, just nothing that he can bring back home to the country as a victory with. 
That's right. There were a few tangible uh, deliverables that came out of this trip. It was meant to send um, something of a signal that the region uh, is improving its relations, that things are on the up. This was also something that was a priority of President Trump. And we saw one of maybe his uh, largest or only foreign relation victories was the agreement that they had signed under his administration, Israel um, and the Palestinians. And so uh, didn't quite have something of that bang but we saw Biden in the region meeting with people, having public meetings, trying to signal. And then you mentioned gas prices. He was in Saudi Arabia, one of the largest oil producers in the world, and a country of which we've had really tense relationships with, including, you know, Biden calling them a pariah, saying that they should be made a pariah of the world. So um, going there was definitely a departure from some of his previous statements. But um, as you said, trying to get those gas prices down by trying to get them uh, to change some of their production uh, as of now. Yeah, you mentioned it a little bit right there, Saudi Arabia. So the relationship is tense. Uh, President Biden had to meet with the Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. He opted not to formally handshake him, instead give him kind of a fist bump. And all of this is kind of related to the uh, killing of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi. U.S. intelligence uh, agencies said that that the uh, Saudi Crown Prince is the one that ordered that killing. President Biden said he brought it up in the conversation and that he denied it. But uh, President Biden still said, well, you know, we still hold you responsible. The uh, representative of Saudi Arabia said that didn't happen. The conversation didn't happen exactly as that. So there's a lot of back and forth. All of that really just leading for human rights groups to be really angry at the president for even even kind of legitimizing him by going and meeting with him. Yeah, I mean, this is a very sticky foreign policy situation. The U.S. has been quite critical because of the killing of Khashoggi. Um, They have said that the crown prince was responsible for that, that he signed off on that execution. Um, But it's an important ally in the region. Uh, The nation is also, um, as you know, President Biden taking this flight from Israel to Saudi Arabia to show the connectedness of the two. Um, Many foreign policy experts believe that fostering that relationship is what will bring stability to the region. Um, So Biden really was in a tough spot in making the decision to go there, despite knowing he was going to face a lot of this criticism and had been critical of Saudi Arabia himself is really a testament to how important the ties are there, what role Saudi Arabia plays in the region and the world, um, and sort of deciding that it was worth the heat uh, in order to get some of the other goals. Yeah. And uh, back on the gas stuff, I mean, uh, President Biden said that they hope to uh, get something going in the next few weeks. I'm sorry, on the oil production stuff in the next few weeks, something could be happening. Some movement can be going on there. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, back here domestically, there has been some relief on gas prices. They've uh, Prices have been going down a little bit, but many people aren't really seeing those effects just yet. We have uh, inflation right now at 9.1%, the highest it's been in 40 years. And for a lot of people, it's not really making up. So the gains that we're getting on some of these gas prices really isn't making up for everything just yet. Yeah, gas prices are something that will fall, but we also know that other consumer goods that have had the prices driven up by gas prices because it takes more gasoline, it's more expensive to deliver it or to produce it, tend not to go back down at the same speed, right, or at all. Um, so while you might be saving 40 cents a gallon at the pump, um, now that prices are dipping, um, there's always 
always the potential they could go back up and it's not expanding across the economy. So um, some of these prices are here to stay. Some of them may go down. Um, some of them may go back up. Gas prices could go back up, but we still really are seeing the economic crunch that came with these prices. And uh, Biden wants the Saudis to increase their production to help uh, bring prices down. But, um, you know, they dealt with global crunches during the pandemic and they want to make money now that people are out buying gas again. So it's a very difficult uh, case to make. And all of this is really leading up to some more bad news for President Biden and his agenda. There's a new New York Times poll that just came out, has his approval rating at 33 percent, 13% of America thinks we're going in the right direction, not very much. 64% of Democrats say they want another another nominee when the elections come around again. And then we have Senator Joe Manchin just really putting a big stall on the, the president's agenda, saying he doesn't want to pass anything that has to do with climate or tax provisions. He's only going to support certain health provisions uh, in his latest bill. So uh, a lot of uh, tough news still for President Biden ahead. That's right. I mean, his agenda has not been passed by Congress. The public is not happy with the job he's doing, and he's looking at voters uh, assessing his party in the November elections. It's not looking good for Democrats. Ginger Gibson, Deputy Washington Digital Editor at NBC News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is overall just dragging down the overall average rating on Google. And that could really make a difference for a lot of places, like when it comes to attracting a new customer. Joining us now is Christina Morales, food reporter at The New York Times. Thanks for joining us, Christina. Thank you for having me. Well, let's talk about an interesting extortion attempt that some restaurants are having to go through right now. It has to deal with Google and ratings, bad ratings that people are leaving. You know, we've seen this happen in a variety of different ways, but this new scam is kind of uh, new to me. Basically, emails are being sent to dozens of restaurants threatening bad reviews unless owners pay up. And this is usually with some type of digital gift card, like a Google Play gift card worth $75 or something like that. And they're putting bad one-star reviews and then they're sending them emails with these requests. So Christina, what are we seeing with this? So exactly like what you've said, we're seeing that a lot of restaurants are getting these ratings and then an email comes in either after this like quick blitz of one star ratings comes in or just a couple of days after from scammers saying that they're requesting the $75 gift card in exchange, they'll stop the bad reviews and take the old ones down. And so this is happening to a ton of different restaurants, but I spoke with many that even have Michelin stars, and this is overall just dragging down the overall average rating on Google, and that could really make a difference for a lot of places like when it comes to attracting a new customer. The email that are being sent to people, they're saying, we're sincerely apologize for this action. We have no other choice. And it's, well, like, well, you know, obviously, yeah, you do have every choice possible on doing this, but they're saying that the sender lives in India, that the resale value of these gift cards could mean weeks of money for their family. And then they request a, a payment to a Proton account. I mean, and they're all getting these very same emails, right? That's correct. Yeah. All of these emails are the same. They're all coming from different Gmail accounts, but all of these digital gift cards, they're asking you to send this gift card to the same Proton Mail account. 
So everybody's getting the same copied, pasted email of sorts as soon as these one-star reviews start coming in. And so, yeah, what some of the restaurants described it as was like almost like a Robin Hood type complex of this is the the tone of this email where they apologize. They say they hope that this doesn't cause too much trouble for the business, but that they're from India and that they have no other choice and that they're requesting these $75 Google Pay gift cards that is then going to translate to $50 worth of income for them as soon as they sell it, which they say will then help their families for at least three weeks. It'll provide at least three weeks of income. How is Google responding to all of this so far? Because I know they are—they have teams dedicated to this and they are taking some of these down, but some of the restaurants are complaining that there's inaction on Google's part. Maybe they're not acting fast enough. And you know, this kind of gets back to what we were saying about how important these reviews really are to the restaurants. You know, even if it's a Michelin star restaurant, right? Um, you know, people are just looking on Google, they're looking for reviews, they're seeing lower stars. I mean, to them, they don't know the backstory of all this and they can decide in a flash, well, I don't want to go there. And right away, boom, that restaurant lost business. We heard from Google and Google is saying that, you know, they have automated systems as well as people that really look for a ton of different cues that could, you know, lead to a sort of like investigation into whether or not these are spam reviews. And for a lot of these people, they have talked a lot about the inaction from Google. They feel that it's not happening fast enough. For some people, these reviews have gone on for as long as two weeks now. And even as early as like the 4th of July, they started getting some of these reviews. And it's not something that's just like it stops and then it comes back. This is like consistent two, three reviews a day that are just dragging down these overall average ratings for restaurants. So they're reporting them, but they feel that they're not really hearing back from a person. And so that makes it really difficult to get in touch about the urgency of it, especially since they have this extortion email. And so some of them have complained about having to navigate through several different tabs to get in touch with a person. Others have talked a little bit about how it's taken days to reach somebody and that these reviews are still up and even as of yesterday morning when I was writing the story there was one restaurant that had emailed me and said that one of the reviews which they're saying was one of those fake spam reviews was actually allowed to continue on their Google business page because Google found that it wasn't violating any sort of policy so Google actually allowed that review to stay on law enforcement for their part says this is a cyber crime. So they say contact Google, obviously, contact your local police, FBI, and even the FTC uh, to get involved if these things are persisting. There's an FBI Internet Crimes Division that you can report this to as well as through the FTC. And you should also contact local law enforcement if you receive this extortion email. But the biggest factor in this, it's going to really help take care of this problem is Google. Christina Morales, food reporter at the New York Times. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, 
wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If they want to do that, they're going to have to negotiate with the track owners. In this case, in the Gulf Coast, it's proven to be a very difficult, a big challenge to try to get the owners to allow them to start passenger trains. Joining us now is Luz Lasso, reporter at the Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Luz. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, let's talk about an interesting battle with Amtrak right now and something that could determine the future of American passenger rail. So right now, Amtrak has a plan to add uh, some more routes and and reach more cities and towns in a 140-mile stretch route from New Orleans to Mobile, Alabama. There's uh, a lot of plans going on for this, but they're actually fighting right now with the owners of the rail lines. So the way it works is Amtrak has their trains on these rail lines, but they're basically renting that out. They work with the rail lines and they let them on these tracks. And uh, they're basically fighting over it right now. There's kind of these old rules set in place that says, you know, the passenger rails should get priority on this stuff, but we're fighting supply chain issues right now and existing things, uh, existing routes for freight. And they're saying, no way, you know, you're just going to disrupt too much. And, uh, you know, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. So, Luz, help us walk through some of this. What are we seeing in this in this fight? Turning out to be a very important case, something that a lot of people don't know is that outside of the Northeast Core River, Amtrak operates mostly on tracks that are owned by private railroads. So in this case, Amtrak has been working for the past at least six years in the Gulf Coast, trying to bring back passenger trains. It has not been able to get the uh, track owners to agree, uh, in this case, CSX and Norfolk Southern, to agree to um, allow them to run two round trips. And so, you know, a lot of eyes are, (laughs) people have their eyes on this case because, you know, as as, as I was saying, the Amtrak operates most of its routes in tracks that they don't own. And so if they want to expand, in this case, Amtrak has a plan to add about more than 30 routes in the next uh, couple of decades. If they want to do that, they're going to have to negotiate with the track owners. In this case, in the Gulf Coast, it's proven to be a very difficult, a big challenge to try to get the owners to allow them to start passenger trains. A lot of this is wrapped up into President Biden's infrastructure bill, the bipartisan infrastructure bill that passed, you know, getting access to more rail and whatnot. So it's a big priority for the administration. But as you mentioned, uh, Amtrak's just having difficulty working with these private rail owners to let them use their lines a little bit more. Amtrak says that the freight trains are causing nearly 900,000 minutes of passenger delays. This is from last year. So they're saying, you know, they're not getting that priority to be able to move people around. And like I said, you know, there's a difficulty with it, right? We're experiencing supply chain issues that uh, we need to be moving a lot of this freight around, but this is the fight. This is where they're trying to negotiate still. And, you know, Amtrak got a very big boost last fall, right, when the Congress and um, the president signed the infrastructure law that basically allocated $66 billion for rail. It's, it's 
it was an incredible amount of money that it's, it's a historical uh, amount of money for rail in this country. And so they got a big financial boost. Usually, historically, Amtrak has biggest challenge has been getting funding and financial support. And now they have so money, but the biggest, now the, their next challenge is being able to, uh, to get access to the tracks. You know, we, we reported in some of my, uh, in the story that we ran this week that they're able to negotiate to work with the railroad, the private railroads. And those, sometimes it takes years for them to be able to secure, you know, launching a new route. But they have done it. Now, with this funding, I think it's become more real that Amtrak has or they want to expand. Yeah. And so that's presenting, along with the challenges that you mentioned, that the freights have now with the chain um with the supply the challenges chain that they, yeah. right right yeah, that, that, that that will put a lot more pressure on those companies to be able to allow more trains into their tracks and it's interesting where some of the support is coming from right so in places like louisiana right in new orleans and across mississippi there's support for this because for them there's tourism at play there people can come in take a train somewhere else to a nearby area and and you know do it that way but when you get to Alabama they're right there they have a big port so they're more concerned with moving the freight and and making that a possibility to get products out and all that so even within the states down there there's a lot of competing interests Oh yeah, there's uh you can see the split, right? Uh who supports that. In general, I think there's a lot more support for passenger rail in the country. I mean, there's a lot of other cities that also are looking at what happens there because they want to bring passenger rail to their cities for various reasons, right? I mean, the trying to deal with like traffic in their in their highways or or uh climate you know, goals. And so it's become more of a priority now. And uh, there seems to be a lot of support. But you also see in this particular route, the concerns in Alabama that it will impact the businesses there. Luz Lasso, reporter at the Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 